A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Coming to you almost live from our studios in New York, this is Tom Reads Your Story. Stay tuned for readings from social media and other spoken word projects. Join me right now. I'm your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Zania. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. We'll have your words from social media and much more right after these important announcements. In early September comes a story of horror and haunting regret. A group of homeless men fishing for a little fun and folly latch on to something that might be a mermaid. Remember, regret lives on and lingers long after the last teardrop has fallen. Harry's Mermaid is written by the poetic master of modern-day horror, Steve Vernon, and narrated by Tom Zanian. Rust Belt, USA, where steel is dead, hope is scarce, and hardship is a way of life. Miles Junction is but one of many northeastern Ohio towns, long forgotten and left behind, its residents living on the cusp of financial, emotional, even spiritual destitution. Taking place during the last few decades of the 20th century, in just the right light, written by William R. Solden and narrated by Tom Zania, is a glimpse at one region's bleak inheritance and the precarious lives of those who remain to rummage through the fallout of its past. There's a doorway on Mars that has mankind's greatest minds perplexed. Deep beneath Mars, an ancient secret is revealed, and a team of explorers led by Forrest Judge, Deputy Commander. The doorway closes, and the team is trapped. Six mission specialists, each with unique skills, each with different reasons for wanting to break free of the primordial trap. In Dinosaur Red, written by Edward J. McFadden III and narrated by Tom Zania, Judge is forced to choose between escape and changing the course of humanity. What will he do? All three of these great books are narrated by Tom Zania and are available now at audible.com. Do you need a good professional sound for your podcast? I'm Tom Zania, voice actor and podcast host of Tom Reads Your Story. I can give you the sound you're looking for for your podcast intros and advertisements at the price and turnaround you need. So don't hesitate and send me a message at TomReadYourStory at Yahoo.com. And we are back. Welcome, everyone who is new here. You'll find friends here. Well, maybe a friend, because I'm the only one here. But uh, if you're new, thanks for coming around. If you're someone who's been listening to the show, welcome once again to Tom Reads Your Story. We have 
a good show today. And I don't usually say that. Sometimes I say, yeah, it's, we got some pretty good things going. But like today, I got some good things happening. Now, I may use one or two of these postings again on Father's Day. This is kind of a Father's Day show. That's not on Father's Day. We have, oh, let's see. Let me let me get my list. Hold on just a minute. Okay. We're going to start out with something from Garrison Keeler, whose show uh, I used to listen to all the time on NPR. And I don't listen to it anymore, and that's too bad. I don't, I don't re- actually even remember who the new host is, to be honest. But it's Garrison Keeler, and he's talking about a number of things today. But it, it's, it could still fall into that Father's Day niche. Um, we've got something from Buck a frequent contributor to the show who I very much appreciate and who writes beautifully. This is something about his childhood called On Little Nahant. Nahant is a little island up in Massachusetts, and uh, he talks a little bit about that. There's another one uh, from John Cassavetes, or Cassavetes, the movie star, who I only remember from, I think, the 70s or 80s. But uh, he talks about speaking to his father about wanting to be an actor. And it's very nice. And lastly, we're going to listen to something from my friend, my very good friend, Rodney Vaccaro, who is on the opposite coast from me. I'm in New York and he's in LA and he's got a wonderful thing about his father. He writes frequently about his dad and I think it's great. Uh, And writing about family is beautiful and he does it very well. And he talks about his dad and the war in this. And uh, you're going to like this one very much. Let's uh, let's start out with Garrison Keeler. Here I am by Joe and Garrison Keeler. It's been a tough week, so a little levity from an old broadcaster is offered to bring a smile or grin to us older folks. The world is not my home, but here I am. My favorite word today is unsubscribe, and I've been online clicking it on dozens of emails asking for my cash contributions to their battle in behalf of the good, the true, and the beautiful, which one wants to support, but once you do, your name is transmitted to other righteous causes, and now I'm getting appeals from folks running for city council in Omaha and a group petitioning Congress to outlaw the internal combustion engine, the chance of which is less than slight, so I subscribe, and instead I gave to a soup kitchen raising money for school supplies for indigent kids. How could I say no? A nice red book bag, notebooks, pencils, a sharpener, a ruler, the same stuff I treasured when I started school. I loved school. 
I come from fundamentalist people, and every year they ask that I be excused from square dancing in gym class so that I would not be tempted by carnal pleasure. But still, they didn't object to my reading secular literature such as Webster's Unabridged Dictionary. They were gentle people, not like the bearded men with machine guns riding through the streets of Kabul or the American Mujahideen sacking the Capitol in January, or Mr. Roseberry in his black pickup parked in front of the Library of Congress Thursday, claiming to have explosives enough to destroy whole city blocks. Finally, he had to pee, and he surrendered. Republicans are in control of provincial capitals in Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Utah, but here in Manhattan, we feel far away from the fundamentalists. We have plenty of Orthodox Jews on the Upper West Side, but they don't come into St. Michael's and try to make Episcopal women wear head coverings. The buses run on Saturdays. Linguini in clam sauce is available in many restaurants, but the collapse of Kabul sends a clear message. Liberal values lack the dramatic emotional appeal of faith-based cruelty. Liberalism is weak tea when up against men with rifles who operate on divine guidance. Liberalism is basically neighborliness, and it lacks the satisfactions of ferocity. I'm an old liberal, and I do think that America has been spared a great deal of trouble by the fact that so much hostility that might go into terrorism is expended instead on competitive sports. Christians aren't influenced by the Sunday sermon so much as by the NFL game afterward. The sacking of the quarterback, repeated in slow-mo, his arm up to pass, and three behemoths hit him amidships, and the helmet flies off, and he crumples to the turf, a broken man, thus our lust for violence is sated. The Yankees beat the Red Sox in three straight games this week, and thereby satisfy the hormonal urges of a half million men who otherwise might drive down Amsterdam Avenue in pickups, waving guns, attacking the Red Cross and Red Lobster running down people displaying red articles of clothing, yelling at people to show their underwear, and anyone wearing red gets depantsed. No, it was very civil. The American heartland was once a hotbed of religious intolerance, and then Jim Naismith invented basketball, and now in Kansas and Iowa, and all through mid-America, it has taken the place of Protestantism. If the American military had spent 20 years and billions of dollars building ice arenas in Afghanistan and teaching Afghans to skate and play hockey, the outcome would have been quite different. Women's hockey is a revelation. We old fundies grow up seeing women as Sunday school teachers and mommies and caregivers, and then you go see them in helmets and shoulder pads carrying sticks and you see that they do not shy away from belting each other hard enough to rattle their molars. Women are capable of ferocity, and once they've tasted the pleasures of aggression, they do not lie down and submit to bullying. I look at the beards in burnooses, holding rifles and ammo belts, 
and I doubt that the Taliban can put the cap back on the bottle now that it's been opened. The Middle Ages is a long, long time ago. While the beards were holed up in the mountains for 20 years, many of those women were studying engineering, learning how to make the wheels turn and the power flow. Some women became ophthalmologists. You need vision, men. Let them help you. On Little Nahant by Buck As Hurricane Hank has its way with New England, I'm locked in memories of a time in my boyhood. My father was a carpenter foreman with the Army Corps of Engineers as they hastily built coastal fortifications to fend off an attempt by the Nazis to invade through Boston Harbor. We were living in a stately old house on a cliff above the Atlantic on Little Nahant Island off the coast of Massachusetts. It was a theme park of a place for a kid, riding out the ocean storms, playing on the rocks and in the tidal pools at low tide, sometimes discovering the remnants of torpedoed ships. We, too, were invaders. The horde of Southerners recruited to do the bulk of the labor on the underground forts. The careful Yankees were, at first, not so sure of us, but warmed in time. I wonder what it must be like on Little Nahant this morning. John Cassavetes by John I went to my father and said, I don't want to go to college. I want to be an actor and go to this school. That was a lie, of course. I just wanted to be near all those girls. My mother said, An actor? But my father, he was very disappointed about my leaving college, said, At least it's something. Let him be something. Then he gave me this very solemn look, and I thought, Oh, my God, I'm really going to get it. And he said, That's a very noble thing to do. Do you know what kind of responsibility that is? You are going to be representing the lives of human beings. You will speak for all the people who have no voice. John Cassavetes My Dad in the War by Rodney One more dad story. My father was very handsome and he loved beautiful clothes. He used to have his shirts made with the monogram on the cuff. Always French cuffs. He knew exactly how to talk to a tailor. He was in very bad fighting in World War II. It was with Patton and the 8th. His first action was at the Battle of the Bulge when he was maybe 20. It was a medic, which was just about the most terrible job you could have in a war. He won a bronze star for crawling through machine gun fire to save the lives of eight men. He almost never talked about the war, but he told me a story 
I've always loved. Not so much for the story itself, but because I thought it said a lot about my father. He said, after the war, he and a buddy of his were assigned to go to a hotel and pick up a German general who was being brought in to surrender. He said they had just gotten off the front, unshaven. They probably hadn't bathed in days. They went in an open jeep, got to the hotel, and knocked on the door. The general came to the door, a tall, lean, handsome, imposing figure. He had been shaving. He asked my father, very politely, if he could finish getting dressed, and my dad said, sure. The general went in, and in a while, came out, immaculately shaved, wearing his full-dress uniform and what my father described as the single most beautiful overcoat he had ever seen. Light gray cashmere. Now, remember, my father really knew clothes, and for him to say this was the most beautiful coat he had ever seen really meant something. He said the general was very calm and very dignified, like a prince. They got in the open jeep, and began to drive to headquarters. Just before they got there, the general asked my father for a smoke, and my father gave him a cigarette. The general lit it and smoked quietly for a moment, and then the wind in the jeep blew ash off his cigarette. It landed on the sleeve of that beautiful cashmere overcoat and burned a small black hole in it. My father said the general looked down at the hole and burst out crying, just weeping. My father said, it was as if any dignity the general had left was in that uniform. And here, just moments before he was to surrender it, it was ruined. He said the man cried himself hollow. I always thought it was remarkable that my father, at his young age, after seeing what horror he had seen, could still open his heart to the tragedy, the humanness of this man who had been his enemy. It is the sign of a great heart, a great man, a very great man. Oh man, I love that last one by Rodney. Very, very nice piece. I picked today's stuff uh, because they were short. I'm always, you know, up until now, I think I've always been worried about putting stuff that's, you know, not long enough because the show won't be long enough. And I, I would always steer toward, you know, the long postings on Facebook that will take up time. And I can see some good in that, and yet you can say so much in just a few words, in three words. And um, so today's postings were a little shorter, but very much to the point and beautifully written. And I thank those who contributed very much, Buck. And um, and of course, John Cassavetti is a close personal friend of mine. No, um, the, the John Cassavetti's one was passed on by somebody else, and I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think some national, or not a national publication, maybe something online, but anyway. And of course, uh, like I said, Buck, 
contributed today. Rodney uh, does a lot and did this time, and I thank him very much for that. So, and also, oh, my brother Joe, who said, here's something from Garrison Keeler, which was said so nicely, and I thank him for, you know, putting a few words in there. Today's show, of course, is now done. And, you know, it might not have been a very long episode, but, you know, hey, look, if, if, if the postings aren't long, I'll just talk longer. So anyway, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Reads Your Story. If you enjoyed your visit today, please tell your friends because we're always looking for new ones. Be sure to email me at TomReadYourStory at Yahoo.com. I'm still saying that even though nobody has ever emailed me not once about anything of any importance at all. But that's okay. Uh, if you have questions or comments about the show. Uh, as always, thanks, Anchor.fm, for this opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Till next time, stay safe, everyone. Bye now. This is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.